0: Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Balanced Parent Podcast podcast. This is Dr. Laura, and I'm bringing to you today the last installment of my inner work of conscious parenting series. In this series, we have covered getting the pause so you can do this important work, meeting your inner critic with kindness, becoming a confident leader of your internal family, as well as the joyful aspects of rediscovering your inner child. And now we have just one more episode. It's fitting that we end this month-long series with a focus on self-compassion and self-acceptance because these things are prerequisites for healthy relationships and true authentic connections with others. And I honestly can't think of a better guest to join me for this part of the discussion than radical self-acceptance advocate, Jeffrey Marsh. Jeffrey Marsh's spiritual and inclusive messages have received over a billion views on social media. Jeffrey is the first openly non-binary public figure to be interviewed on national television, and they are also one of the first non-binary authors to be featured by any of the big five publishers. Jeffrey's best-selling Buddhist self-esteem guide, How to Be You, is an innovative, category non-conforming work that combines part memoir, part workbook, and part spiritual guide. How to Be You has also recently been released as an audiobook with Jeffrey actually doing the reading, so you get their sweet, loving, kind voice in your ears as you work through the book. It's absolutely one of my top purchases in the past few years. So something I never expected when I started this podcast was that I would actually have the opportunity to meet and interview some of my personal heroes, but I have, and I really never get over the thrill of that. So I was really excited and overwhelmed and honestly a bit giddy to meet Jeffrey, so much so that my initial intro was a bit all over the place, but they set such a lovely example of sweet kindness and humor during my rather fumbling intro that I couldn't bear to to cut out even a second of their voice. So you get this intro and the next one where I introduce them again. And I hope that you enjoy this interview and that you take the messages that we share in it to heart. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyen, and I'm very excited to have this episode. Today I have... um. Oh, just, I can hardly even what? say it. I'm so excited. Hello, doctor. Hello. Hi. So today we have Jeffrey Marsh, who is a non binary activist and educator who has been uh, just guiding so much of my own <laughs> inner work in self acceptance. Their videos and message is reaching all corners of the globe and they have a best-selling book called How To Be You that is just this innovative combination of memoir and guidebook and workbook that I know you all love and want to get your hands on. And so Jeffrey, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you kind of about some of the inner work of fully accepting yourself that most of the families that that I work with are doing, Just
1: you know, let's just talk about that. Just just
0: the little thing. But (laughs) (laughs) The things that this show is about is understanding that in order to fully love and accept your kids, you have to fully love and accept yourself.
1: I know. And everyone just throws self-acceptance right out the window. It's like, well, I mean, and I do, I work one-on-one with people. I work with groups. I work with, you know, I do social media and et cetera. And no matter what, people tend to throw self-compassion out the window. So it goes out the window when you think you need to be a certain kind of parent. And so you need to sacrifice your own self-compassion in order to parent someone else. But the parents listening should know that it's pretty universal and people think in order to be a firefighter or a singer or a teacher or whatever a yoga instructor even, for heaven's sake. You need to throw self-compassion out the window. It's something that gets in your way (laughs) from doing what you need to do. And people definitely think that about parenting. And quite the opposite is true.
0: Oh, well, keep it in your mind because it's funny. I will. In all of my courses, (laughs) the very first thing I teach is self-compassion because it's the necessary Mm -hmm. foundation. And it can't go out the window because you can't do any of this work. And I think so many of us were parented in a way... Parented through shame, blame, judgment, and guilt. These ways that were used to control us, to get us to do.
1: Shame, blame, judgment, and guilt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Those are the four horse people <laughs> the- the- of a personal apocalypse.
0: That's yes, right? <laughs> they are. We should yeah. coin that. Like, that should be a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> and then we grow up with that that's how we've learned that that's how you change. That's how you become okay. That's how you become good enough is through those things. And then Mm. we attempt to Mm. do that, right? We attempt to do that to ourselves in order to get ourselves to be better parents. Those are the very things that the parents who I teach are trying not to do anymore. They're trying to not blame or judge or shame their kids. And they try to do it by blaming, judging, and shaming themselves. Just such a yes. circle.
1: exactly right. I mean, you really hit on something because it's as though in order to be compassionate to someone else, I need to be hating myself. Oh, yes. So it's not just neglecting myself, but I actually need to be like, and this is in quotes, hate disciplining <laughs> myself. I need to be disciplining myself with hate in order to be a good parent. Yes. And that's quite the opposite is true. So can I ask you my question? Yes. To me, it's almost as if the idea of self-compassion can become another thing that people hate themselves with. So the idea that you need to do it right. <laughs> you it's need another to do thing it we can fail best. at. It's another thing you fail at absolutely. Yeah. And here's the real tea. Do you feel that people hold themselves to such a high standard? that what they're actually demonstrating for their kids is how to hate yourself.
0: (laughs) Yes, for sure. That is, you know, kids learn what they're shown. They learn what they see, what they experience, what they feel. So absolutely, if we spend time beating ourselves up for not being perfect, beating ourselves up for making human mistakes, human errors... That's what they will learn, regardless of what we say to them. What they see us doing every day to ourselves is what they learn. Yes. This is what I love what you teach, because you teach this in this broad sense that all humans need to know this fundamental truth that we are all seeking to be seen and valued and loved and accepted. And that all starts with us.
1: Amen. And it actually needs to. So let me underline what we're saying or what I'm saying. And you know I get in trouble on the internet for saying these things, but I love getting in that kind of good trouble. So parents, as far as I can tell, are taught that you need to put the kids first. And I'm going to say something very challenging, but you have to, in a sense, in a way that we can clarify together, you need to put your own healing and care first because that's what you need to demonstrate to your kids. And another, like a poetic way to say it is, you need to fill up your own teacup so that you can offer things to your kids Yes. or to anybody else on earth.
0: Yes. My visual is that, you know, we all think about that, even though you need to fill your cup first, it's still a visual of, okay, I'm going to fill my cup and then I'm going to pour my cup out into other people, into my-
1: into I'm going to empty partner. that cup out. Yeah, into <laughs> yeah. my partner, into
0: exactly. my kids, into my job, into right. my friends, you know, all of those things. The way I want to teach compassion and actually the way that I feel when I watch your videos is that it's mm-hmm. more like a champagne glass tower, you know, like the champagne glass tower where mm-hmm. we're at the top, we're pouring the champagne in and it's overflowing and trickling down, you know, like just a delightful bubbly. It's coming from within us. It's a never ending font. We're always pouring. I going to say,
1: if it's a bottomless champagne bottle, that's, yeah. that works. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like a chocolate fountain.
0: Yes. Exactly.
1: Of kindness.
0: Of delicious <laughs> kindness. Yes, exactly. So then how do you do that? I think that that's something that like everybody listening will want to know. Like, How do you do that? What does that look like? I don't need to tell you, do I? You do. You do need to You're tell You're an me. expert. No, no, no. <laughs> we want to know from you. You're the expert. <laughs> well, so you mentioned that I'm non-binary.
1: I'm very, very LGBTQ, as we say in the business, and my parents both tried every single thing they could think of to get me not to be that, including, especially for my dad, violence. And from my mom, sort of, you know, the kind of withholding affection kind of approach. But what I grew up with, as you said so beautifully and eloquently, I became very talented very early at Doing that inside, violence and withholding affection inside to make sure that I, you know, self policed myself into being the right, good, whatever. And it got so bad. The self hate got so, 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 so horrible that I became so very, people can't see because it's a podcast, but I'm smiling. But I became so very desperate that I moved into a Buddhist monastery. And to me, being in an environment that was geared toward self-kindness and self-compassion and breaking down the habits of the antithesis of self-kindness was an important step for me. People listening to this podcast, don't abandon your kids and move to a monastery. (laughs) I know it may be tempting sometimes. We could be frank. We could be real. No, that's not what I'm saying. And please don't hold it out as a standard. But the reason I bring that up is desperate times call for desperate measures so to me, I would pull every single lever that's possible, get in therapy, do you know classes, do, listen to podcasts like this. It's not necessarily the what's, the list of what's. The thing that we're honing in on and talking about is how are you going to treat yourself as you go through whatever list you need for support? Yeah. Do you know what
0: I mean? I do. It's how are you going to walk through your life? Because it, it's not over. It's never done either. Every single day, every breath you take, every like step is an opportunity to be kind to yourself. Every single one is a chance.
1: You know what you reminded me of? When someone, especially young people, but anybody, when you have that vibe, and you first fall in love with someone, you get to that point in your life when you first fall in love. I have never heard anybody say, gee, what's next? When do we get past this stage of loving this person? Right. (laughs) And to think of yourself as, as that, you know, when you fall in love with yourself and then suddenly wanting to get to whatever the quote unquote next stage is, or, you know, when will this be over kind of attitude is not helpful.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's not a to-do list and it's something that we get to have forever because we're our longest relationship. The one we We're
1: our longest relationship. And if we are at all lucky, it is our most loving, most kind, most caring.
0: Yeah, it has that possibility, right? And it's, you know, so I'm an attachment theory nerd. I don't know if you mm-hmm. even know that word, you know, like, so mm-hmm. the, we learn growing up, we form these early attachment relationships, right? And we, we learn the model for what love looks like. And then we move into partnerships and we form romantic attachments. And we also have attachment relationships with those folks. But the single most effective way to heal attachment wounds is by healing them with yourself through whatever you call it, reparenting, inner work, right?
1: Yep. Can I tell you a story?
0: Yeah, please. I would love to hear a story.
1: So part of my training with the monastery was to envision a mentor but it was an internal mentor. And so we were encouraged to have conversations, ask whatever question we want and get a response and just do exercises in and around that image. And at one point we were asked to draw a picture of this mentor. And I realized that I drew a picture of like me in the future. And then I got a little older, I got a little older, I got a little older. And just the idea of which one's the mentor and which one's quote unquote me just kind of mushed in together. And it's really that kind of exciting, like one day I realized, oh, I guess, well, the answers I've been looking for have been inside me the whole time. I
0: know. You know like, yes. It's been within yeah. you all along.
1: What I do, one-on-one coaching with people, which is some of the most fulfilling work that I do. And they asked me, because you made me think of this before, they asked me, what can I do for self-care, mm-hmm. right? Was, which was a question that you and I just talked about. And I realized I actually turned that around on them because I'm such a big proponent of self awareness, but also agency. And so if people ask me that, I say, well, what are you doing currently? And then we can have a discussion about whether those things are taking us where we want to go. But it really is that agency that I crave And it reminds me of activism because so many people ask me day in and day out, (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to get the tone when I talk about this, but so many people ask me, how can I support trans people? How can I support trans people? And the real question is, what are you doing currently to support trans and non-binary people? Right? You
0: know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Checking within yourself Mm -hmm. and turning those questions back to yourself. Yes. Oh, that's so, so good. I'll tell you. The assumption
1: is I'm like some kind of outside, you know, expert and et cetera, And my whole mission in life is to help people find that within themselves.
0: Yeah. And they think you were the keeper of the knowledge. Right. Yes.
1: Which I mean, we can talk about parenting that way. Right.
0: It's the same. I have the same conversations with all of my clients too. My biggest Mm -hmm. goal for folks is to not need me anymore. That's my biggest goal. I'm trying to get rid of people. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for real, it's my biggest goal is for them to, we work on cultivating your wise and our parent. That's, you know, but that's the work so that you don't need a guru out here telling you what to do. You need them for a season. They need, you need someone to walk alongside you and guide you, but you know, It's always within
1: you. And notice you didn't say the perfect parent within. Mm. Something very different, right? We're not going to try to be perfect, but it's that sense that I don't have any children. The only perspective I have is having been one and working with a lot of parents who come to me for spiritual coaching. And it's almost like that's, we were talking about what a really rich discussion I have with people all the time is, what do you want to impart to your kids? and then when they answer that i ask well how are you treating yourself right mm-hmm. i want my kids to get that they are totally loved and that they have agency and that they you know that everything that happens everything they feel is is okay and then i ask, you know then i say got you <laughs> <laughs> are you doing that with yourself yes. right <laughs> So that's I, the question to
0: ask, right? So I don't know if you know this about yourself, but you're a parenting expert. Yes. You are. <sighs> like this is, you can put that in your bio and in your, you. your CV because <laughs> that's, I feel that's like everything.
1: <laughs> I mean, really my jam, and you mentioned it, is reparenting. Yeah. Reparenting and inner child work and all of that stuff, but the ways that we treat ourselves. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's my jam.
0: It is. Can I ask you a question that a few people... No. (laughs) I'm out of here. This interview is over. Oh, no. Okay. Have you ever had anyone say that? I haven't. No, it's the first... (laughs) <laughs> um, but a few people in my yes, community yeah. have asked, you know, I've mentioned that you're coming on. And so a few folks who have kids who are gender fluid, or are in the process of transitioning, just have a few questions. Um, so I know some sure. listeners out there. And so, you know, if there is something that you'd want parents whose kids are in those positions, and sometimes quite young. I think the youngest one in my community is three, who's moving in those directions. Is there anything that you'd want these parents to know?
1: <laughs> three years old. I mean, I feel, looking back, I think I was probably pretty obvious around very, very early myself Yes, in my expression. And it's really beautiful and wonderful to me that human beings are just who we are. And um, we get to be. <laughs> And we get to be. We're working towards a
0: world where we get to be. Like we're. Amen. Yeah. We're just all on a shared mission to raise a world that's kinder.
1: I mean, you got that right. Raise a world that's kinder. You know, my teacher at the monastery used to say that you are a very handy person to practice with, meaning, you know, you are the closest person to you to practice being compassionate with. And then you can take that process of compassion and do that with other people. Hopefully your kids.
0: Yes. Oh, that's so nice.
1: <laughs> but everything we talked about really translates well to a trans non-binary, gender fluid, gender queer, gender enthusiastic kid. They're going to not to burn down the mood, but they're going to get treated very unkindly by the world. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could come on this podcast and tell a different story, but creating a safe environment within your home mm. is going to be absolutely key because whatever is out there is not going to be very safe or kind. You can absolutely lay as much groundwork as you can with teachers, with the school, but my goodness, they are going to learn that the outside world is not a safe place. So it's actually essential that you are a kind, good, compassionate parent. Again, not perfect, but that you are accepting and kind and, and lovely to them. Do you and want like, to have practical tips? Yeah. What yeah. what that looks like? We Ab-
0: yes, 100%. And luckily, I know that all the parents who listen to this podcast are absolutely creating that haven for their kids, no matter... For their kids. And we have lots of kids who have neuro differences. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we are all working to create that haven for our kids, no matter what. But yes, so tips, especially one of the moms who messaged me very worried about her child entering into school and how to start talking and liaising Mm -hmm. with with teachers and all of those things.
1: One thing I would do is tell your kid, and using, you know, age appropriate language and ways to talk about it, of course. But I found out when I was about 35 years old, because I was getting harassed, we would call it today, and beat up at school almost every day. I I would go into school and it was not good. You know, like milk poured on me in the cafeteria and all that kind of stuff every day, but also physical violence and, and everything like that. And I found out when I was about 35 years old, that my mom would go into the office at school when I was in class, and she would yell at. (laughs) <laughs> the administrators and the principal and people and say you're supposed to be protecting my child and you didn't protect my child and that's actually one of the things she did great and right yeah. you don't have to yell but I would talk to the school but she, I feel like it would have been life-changing if she had told me that
0: have you ever asked she never
1: she told didn't...
0: me that she was trying to why didn't she me tell or, you or,
1: I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so I would talk to your kid and say, and be as honest as you can with your kid and say, you know, my goal is to make sure that everybody sees how wonderful and lovely you are. And I love you. And I hope you feel you can tell me anything that's going on and stuff like that. And then follow through and, and talk to the school yeah, about it.
0: I think that's so important. You know, I have an eight-year-old and when she comes to me with problems from school, I always ask Mm -hmm. her, is this something you want me to listen to? Is this something you want advice on? Or is this something you want me to get involved in? And I feel like those are good questions in this context too, as a child is navigating some of this stuff at school. And -hmm. and then be ready to go in there and advocate for your kid.
1: Yeah, and be ready for your kid not to know (laughs) and to change their (laughs) mind. And, you know... But laying those options out, I cannot even imagine if I was a kid and my parents had done that. That's actually really good, really good advice. Well, yes. Because it's, again, that agency that we were talking about. Yeah? yeah.
0: And then what about as kids? You know, so, kiddo, we've been talking about is in the kind of moving into school phase. And then I have another few kids who are, you know, moving into the, you know, late childhood and tweens years. And they're, you know, so there's new challenges that come up. Any advice for parents who are, you know, walking alongside their kids as they navigate that?
1: Yeah. And this is actually for anyone. Advice for any parent. Try to get into their lives examples, healthy, obviously. Examples of trans and non-binary people because it's different than some other marginalized groups because we LGBTQ people in general we tend to grow up at least thinking but sometimes we actually are the only one in our family mm-hmm. and it feels incredibly alone and isolated and you know depending on which diagnosis you're talking about there can be other groups that are like the disabled community etc and just having examples or seeing people or if you're fortunate enough that they can meet people that are like them, this stuff really helps you feel not so alone and isolated. It really, (laughs) I can't tell you how many times the metaphor of like being from outer space or being an astronaut comes into LGBTQ art because it's so isolating and it almost feels like you're not human. And whatever you can do to reinforce for your kid that, yes, there are lots of people like this and there are human beings like this, and you get to have a future and you get to grow up and be healthy is that's absolutely vital.
0: Oh, that seems like that would go a long way to alleviate the horrifying statistics around suicide amongst mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community and especially as teens, too.
1: Amen. And I know that that can be sort of a scary subject. You're it's terrifying parent.
0: as par- I mean, it's terrifying. It's yeah. awful in general, just being a human in the world, thinking about you know in those situations. And I have recovered from suicidality myself, so yes, it's Me scary. Too.
1: Me too. And I think it's probably and what I call an emotional edge for parenting to be able to talk about it. But if you really want to save your kid's life, you're you're going to have to. Talk about it. In my opinion, yeah. you're going to have to become a safe space where they know that that subject is not out of bounds, and also where they know that that subject is not shameful, and there's no stigma when it comes to you. So I would, you know, address it as soon as it's you feel it's age appropriate to do so, and let let them know that you know, no matter what's going on for you, we can talk about it.
0: And that starts young. I think, too, like the, you know, the general theme of so many of the parents that I have the Distinct honor to work with is that they want their kids to know, like, that nothing is too small. That so that the stuff that seems big when they're little, you know, that they come to them, you know, like, you lost your balloon, that's loss, mm-hmm. that's grief, you, you know, stub your toe, that's deep pain that you've never felt before, you know, like that we are present fully in all of the b- feelings that are so big when they're little, so that when the big stuff starts happening, they come yes. to us, they trust us.
1: Yes. And you know how you get them to trust you you tell them the truth. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's age appropriate, of course, you're not going to tell them every single thing. But sharing who you are and what's going on for you will demonstrate to them that it's okay in your house to have things going on.
0: Yeah. And like things like it's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to make mistakes. We it happens all the time.
1: It's okay to have bad days for heaven's sake. And yeah. Emotions. and
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. okay to be human. However that looks for you.
1: It's okay to be human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't it funny that we would want to like show our kids something non-human in an effort to teach them how to be human? (laughs) It's very weird when you think about it. But
0: there's a deep fear there. There's, I mean, Mm -hmm. if our deepest fear as humans is that we be loved and accepted... Then of course Fear is not having
1: that. Yeah. Right, right.
0: That we you know, that we would not be loved and accepted. If that's our deepest fear, then of course it makes complete sense that as parents we would fight tooth and nail for that for our kids. And we're just oftentimes parents are are misguided in how that like I know mine were misguided in that, you know, Mm -hmm. and in doing so they taught me that the parts of myself that didn't fit you know, that I was too much of needed to be covered up or pruned away in order to be okay. And they had the best of intentions. Was it
1: your emotions?
0: Oh, yes. Dr. Laura? Yes. Yes. My um, sensitivity, my empathy. Mm.
1: Yes, all of that. That actually has become your superpower because it's your life's work right yes. now. Yes. And you're demonstrating to the world why and how those things are important. That is your particular gift to the world, wouldn't you say?
0: It is, yes. And so if you all who are listening haven't watched Jeffrey's TED Talk on this topic, you should do it. It's wonderful. And more than once. So more, <laughs> more than once. It's, it's not long. It's wonderful. And yeah, I mean, this tell us this idea, this thesis of yours that The too much. Oh, that particular
1: thesis. Yes, that's in the book.
0: Well, we don't have to give anything away because everybody should buy the book. Oh no. (laughs) I love to give things away. Okay.
1: (laughs) Because these ideas and things are I feel should be infinite and free. You should buy the book by the way. I mean, free as in I don't mind talking about. This is so important because the thing you were told you're too much of is the direction you should move in. I was told I am too queer, just as an example. You are just too feminine. You are just too LGBTQ. And I've obviously made it my (laughs) life's work to be the ultra LGBTQ. (laughs) because that's fun. That's who I am. And that's what brings me joy. And the metaphor of that shows people that whatever they were told is wrong with them can be their superpower.
0: Yes. And what you so beautifully model for all of us, because again, like we're all social learners. It's not just kids who learn through modeling. What you model too, is that it's this overt act of self-love to be who you are and to use that as to show it as the biggest gift you can possibly give to yourself. Yes. <laughs> the
1: biggest gift you can give to yourself and to the world. To
0: the world. Yes. To the world.
1: Because we do tend to think that compassion needs, we need to decide. We think compassion is a finite resource. Yes. And so we need to decide if I'm going to give it to me or if I'm going to give it to them, whoever that is. but of course you can just, just, like the champagne fountain that we were talking about earlier, it's just <laughs> infinite. And you can just pour lots for you, lots for them, lots for everybody, lots for your kids.
0: I have a meme that I made like four years ago that says mm-hmm. that almost exactly, like <laughs> almost exactly.
1: We're I, linked. Is yes, that what you're telling
0: me? I feel like we were always meant to know each other. <laughs> Thank you so much for this conversation. I really- You're love.
1: welcome. I'm feeling you're- Wrap up voice. Is it time? That went by so
0: quick. It was so fast. I want to be so respectful (laughs) of time. I know you have so much to do. And I've really, really just valued your conversation. And Yeah, I'm gonna
1: throw that back in your face.
0: I'm gonna throw that back in your
1: face. (laughs) Nothing in my life is more important than this. Mm. Work, right? This is my life's mission that we're doing. So yes, I have a lot of things to do, but I happen to take care of myself in such a way that I schedule things that I love to do. And this is one of them. Aren't we lucky? Yes, I respect that you want to wrap up, but don't turn that on me.
0: Okay. All right. But can I just talk about how lucky we are to get to do this for a living? Of course.
1: I feel grateful every day that this is what I get to talk about with wonderful people who want to talk about these things, yeah. i.e. you.
0: You're so sweet. <laughs> but it's amazing. Anyone ama- who's
1: listening, who's crying, doing their, you know, folding their laundry and getting <laughs> the lunches together, all the good parents out there.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Such wonderful parents, not perfect parents, right? Imperfect, beautifully imperfect parents. Oh my gosh. We're so lucky to have you in the world. Thank goodness we do.
1: Thank you for you. I think the world is lucky for you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And oh my gosh, anytime you have something you want to share, you can always come back, just so you know.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that.
0: and most importantly of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.